greet all of you in Jesus' name this morning. It's a nice full house this morning. Good to see all of you here. And uh, it's nice to be back together on a Sunday morning. You know, it, we have a lot of church services, and we get together a good bit. And, and that's okay. <laughs> that's fine. I, we, uh, we had a little service there at home with our children last Sunday morning. And that was kind of neat for something different. But it was, it was nice to get together in that evening and, and see people and to worship together and to share together. There's something beautiful about the fellowship of believers that we can encourage one another and feel a, a common bond with each other and help prod each other on in the Christian life. And so it's a blessing to be here this morning and to help each other with that. Some time ago, I had mentioned that I'll be sharing some messages in preparation for a, a weekend weekend assignment down in Barnwell, South Carolina this spring, and uh, I started that back in October, and then time just moves along, and, and there's this and there's that, and, and I hadn't got the second message done yet. Well, I'd like to share that second message in the series that I'm working on this morning. The series is titled A Worshiping Life. And I would like to begin this message with perhaps the theme verses for that weekend, for the the series of meetings, that's Romans 12, uh, verses 1 and 2, specifically verse 1. But you can turn there uh, for a springboard to the message here this morning. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Okay, so let me just recap briefly the the first message that that I had shared and we looked at the question what is worship what really is worship and we discovered or, or were reminded maybe that worship is not what we so often think it is worship is not merely an activity it's not uh, an event Worship is not simply the the second hour in the Sunday morning service. Worship is not really a a place we go or a thing that we do. Instead, worship, you could say, is a whole life response uh, to the mercies of God. And that's why the Apostle Paul starts Romans chapter 12 like he does. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, or in other words, in light or in view of God's mercies, this is how you need to respond. So so worship is a whole life response to the mercies of God. It's acknowledging his worthy position as Lord of our life. And then it's daily living in submission and obedience to him. I mean, perhaps... The best definition of worship is right here in, in Romans 12, verse 1. And we, in the message that I had shared on, on about what is worship, we had looked at a number of definitions to try to wrap our minds around what worship really is. Perhaps the best one is right here. I'm going to read verse 1 uh, in the NIV. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. This is your spiritual act of worship. And so worship is saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for your great love and your mercy to me. No, I don't deserve it, Lord. I'm not worthy of that. But because of what you've done for me, I'm going to give you all I've got. (laughs) I'm going to give you my body. I'm going to give you my goals, my desires, my agenda, I'm going to give that up. I'm going to sacrifice that, as it were. I'm going to sacrifice my flesh, what I want to do. I'm going to sacrifice, I'm going to give it to you, Lord, because of what you've done for me. 
And with your help, God, I want to strive to daily live for you. I want to make choices that please you. And I want my life to bring you great joy. <laughs> we could say that's, that's worship. Well, the truth is, no, true worship is not merely saying that. True worship is doing that. True worship is living that out. You see, worship is all about revelation and then response. You know, we can learn about God. We can talk about God. But until that knowledge and that talk translates into action, we have not truly worshipped. And so we must remember that as we think about worship and how, how it affects us and what it means to us and to God. So with that said, I would like to consider this morning the subject of choosing edifying music. Choosing edifying music. And here's the question that we want to flesh out this morning. Based on our truly being worshipers of God in heart and life, what are some simple, biblically practical issues to consider when choosing the music that we listen to and cultivate a taste for? And the goal of this message is to inspire us to make good musical choices based on our relationship, our relationship to God and a love for His Word. Perhaps you've heard uh, the saying, more carrot than stick. <laughs> and that's what I want to do this morning. I want to give you more carrot than stick. In other words, I don't want to stand here this morning and say, don't do this and don't do that and don't listen to this and don't listen to that. That's not, that's not what we want to do this morning. Instead, I want to simply present to you the truths of Scripture that can give us some practical direction in, in how we as Christians should view this thing of music in our lives. Uh, what we should do and what we should listen to, uh, that's, that's giving more carrot than stick. Carrot being the, the reward and stick being the punishment. <laughs> um, here at the beginning of this message, though, I just want to challenge you to open yourselves up to the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Be sensitive to that this morning, as well as any time in life. But I'm thinking more specifically this morning because this is such a huge subject. I mean, there's so much that could be said that I feel almost overwhelmed in knowing what to say and what not to say, where to start and, and where to stop. And, you know, Books have been written on this subject of, of the Christian and his music and, and papers and essays. And, and, and more than likely, I will not answer your questions. <laughs> but I am confident this morning that God knows where you are. God knows what your needs are. God knows what your struggles are. And I believe that through the truth of his word and, and through the power and working of his Holy Spirit that he is able to give you personal direction in this area of life if you're willing, if you're willing to take it, if you're willing to hear it. So let's, let's be sensitive to the nudging of the Holy Spirit as it relates to our personal life and music. Now, as we look into the subject of, of choosing edifying music, let's remember right up front that the musical choice of God's people will be distinctly different than the choice of those in the world around us. There will be a distinct difference in our choice. Now, why is that? Why is that? It's because the Christian has been changed. The Christian has been saved. It's because the Christian is a new person. They have a new desire. And that's a desire to be more like Christ. There in 1 Peter verse, uh, chapter 1, verses 14, 15, and 16, we read, As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, or in everything you do, in all your areas of life, be holy. Because it is written, 
Be ye holy, for I am holy, the example of our great God, and the call to holiness. The scripture also says, follow after peace and holiness, without which no man shall see God. It's that serious, this thing of holiness and holy living. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Do you think that includes his music? I say it does. I think part of that newness of life will be the music, the musical choices of the believer. You see, since he has experienced a new birth, he is now a new creation, and therefore, he has a new song. And, and that's a progression that we see different times in Scripture. Uh, for example, turn to Psalm 40, and let's look at David's experience here. Psalm 40, the first few verses. We see that progression here. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear, and shall trust in the Lord. And so we have these similarities. Set my feet upon a rock. We could compare that to that new birth experience. Uh, he established my goings. We could compare that to uh, becoming a new creature. In other words, the, the way I act, the way I conduct myself, is different. And then he hath put a new song in my mouth. It's that progression. New birth, new creature, new song. And now, I realize it's true that these verses may not be speaking directly about David's personal salvation experience, but rather deliverance from his enemies at that time. I realize that. However, they do give us a clear picture of our salvation. It's a clear spiritual picture of what we have experienced as Christians. It's interesting to note that the word new is used in connection with our music more times than any other thing in, in the scripture as far as newness. I think that word new is used in connection with other qualities uh, 24 different times. And nine of those 24 times, it, it uses it in relation to our music. New song or, or something in relation to music, new. And so we could conclude that one of the most Visible features of our new life will be our song, will be our music, something that is evident, something that is very different about the believer when they come to the Lord. And so I ask you this morning, what about your song? What about your music? Is there a difference there? You see, our music reflects, it often reflects what's important to us. What means a lot to us. We sing about the things that mean a lot to us. And so it's possible to learn what's in a person's heart by listening to their music. By listening to what they sing about. We get a picture into the heart of that person. And so we must ask ourselves this morning, is our music accurately expressing the change that we say has taken place in our life? Is our music accurately expressing that change? Or does it give reasons, uh, does it give others reasons to doubt? You see, this new song that is a part of the believer's life will not be characterized by the old way of living or by the old master, Satan, but instead it will have the qualities and the truth and beauty that are a part of our new master, Jesus Christ, that will be flowing through this new song of ours, the music of the believer. There's another foundational truth uh, that we need to come to grips with as we consider this subject. 
And that is that music is not neutral. Music is not amoral. But music is a tool to influence. Uh, music can, can mold and shape character. And certainly this is implied by the title of the message, Choosing Edifying Music. Uh, it implies that there is good and there is bad. Uh, there is a right and there is a wrong. There is music that, that builds up and strengthens. And there is a music that, that tears down. The fact is, this is nothing new. I mean, this is, people have known this for years. I found it interesting that many years ago, Aristotle wrote that if a person habitually listens to the kind of music that rouses ignoble passions, his whole character will be shaped to an ignoble form. In short, if one listens to the wrong kind of music, he will become the wrong kind of person. But conversely, if he listens to the right kind of music, he will tend to become the right kind of person. <laughs> How interesting. And that was many, many years ago, before what we, what we know as, you know, rock and country and everything else, that we understand that there's, there's dangers there, at least I hope you do. This was many years before that, and, and sure, they, I'm, I'm certain that they had their own forms of that at that time as well. But even many years before that, we had the example in 1 Samuel chapter 16 where Saul was suffering from an evil spirit. And they called David, they called young David to come and play music for him with his harp. And, and the Bible says that, that David's music, it refreshed, it revived Saul uh, in, in three different ways. If you look at the at the the meanings, the Hebrew meanings of, of the words that uses there, it says that, that Saul was, ref, was revived in a spiritual and physical and, and emotional way. That's, that's what the music did. Uh, there in, in 1 Samuel 16, 23, we read, And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took an harp and played with his hand, so Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. That music fixed him in several ways, you could say. And it's interesting to note that in this, in this account here, only the sound or, or the music is mentioned. There was no lyrics that were involved. It said that David played with his hand. He played with his harp. He played with his hand. And yet I'm reminded that, that we often hear people say, well, just listen to the words. It's the words that really matter. You know, just listen to the words. And yes, it is. The words do matter. But even much more, the music alone has the power to affect us. God has designed our bodies uh, to respond to music. And the account here of, of Saul and David, I think, makes that clear, as well as many, many other illustrations that, that I could give you. I'm not just going to say that we'll take that one and say that, okay, so I'm going to build a case on that and we'll go. I mean, true, it is Scripture, and that should be worthy. But there's many, many other illustrations if you dig into them, uh, some in the Bible and, and elsewhere in modern-day life that makes that clear as well. Yet I am amazed, I'm simply amazed, at how many people either don't believe that or refuse or refuse to admit it. I'm, I'm amazed at that. Sadly enough, it's my understanding that the belief that, that music is, is neutral or, or amoral, that it, it doesn't really carry that much weight, that belief came from those who, who not only began but also the main supporters of the contemporary Christian music movement. That's where I understand that main thought has come from and is, and is still really supported even today. And I say, the Christians? I mean, shouldn't the Christian be the wisest and most discerning person of all? Shouldn't they know these things? The Apostle Paul calls us to prove all things or, or to test all things. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And then in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 3, we read, His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. 
That's the power of Jesus Christ. We have, at our, at our taking, you could say, we have the resources available to understand what the will of God is in these areas of our life. We have the power of God that is waiting for us, as it were. It's waiting for us uh, to, to be used and to put to practice in understanding uh, these areas of music and many other areas in your life for that matter as well. And so I believe that the discerning Christian will be quick and I'll say also willing, they'll be very willing uh, to recognize the power and the influence of music in his life. The discerning Christian will be quick to do that. He'll say, yes, I realize that, that music has, has power. It, it's, a, it's a tool to influence. And because of that, I must take that seriously. Uh, these are not light choices. But this is something that I must look at seriously uh, with the help of God. And, and therefore, the discerning Christian won't hesitate to draw a line. Where am I going to draw my line when it comes to my choice of music. And I believe the discerning Christian will draw that line between that which conforms to the image of Jesus Christ, that which is true to biblical principle, and that which follows the patterns of the world. Is that clear enough? <laughs> no. It's, that's difficult to know where that line is. And, and, I'm, and I readily admit that that is not an easy decision to make. As we see it, it seems sometimes like there's quite a large gray area there. You know, it, it's interesting, I've, I think about different times, that God doesn't see gray areas. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice if, if we could just see it so cut and dry like God does? But yet we are, we are human beings... And we need to rely on God for these issues. He wants us to look to him for direction. You know, sometimes it can be difficult in knowing if a certain music group or if a certain music style or a certain CD that you might have got. Sometimes it's, it's, it's hard to discern if that is acceptable with God or not. What are the, what are the lines there? that need? Where does the line need to be drawn? But once again, I'm confident that if we have a sincere desire to understand and to seek the will of God in these areas, that he will be faithful in giving us practical direction. I believe that. I believe that. God knows our hearts. God knows if we're serious or not. And I challenge you, uh, in this area of music and in other areas that may seem gray to you at times, to seek the face of God with a passion and with, and with fervor. And I am confident that God will be faithful in, in giving you direction. So let's consider uh, four simple statements then uh, that can help us in choosing edifying music. It can help us in drawing that line, what we choose to listen to. I believe that we will choose music that fills our minds with truth and beauty. We will choose music that fills our minds with truth and with beauty. Now, it goes without saying that so much of the music that we are exposed to these days uh, in, our, in our modern day society darkens our minds. It does. Whether you're at the grocery store, whether you're at the doctor's office, the parts store, you name it. The music that is playing usually makes you feel a little dirty. It usually does. It, it, it has a means of, of darkening our minds. And it seems that everywhere we go, we're bombarded with music that seeks to plant negative thoughts and, and, and sinful thoughts in our heads. Uh, thoughts of lust, thoughts of greed, thoughts of hatred, Thoughts of dishonesty, and the list could go on. That are, those are the themes that we hear in music so much in the world around us. And, you know, there's been times when I've been somewhere in town and, and I've heard songs played, 
that were just outright indecent <laughs> to the extent that, that I was embarrassed. <laughs> and, and I was appalled that a reputable business like that would play, you could say, X-rated mu music <laughs> to a mixed audience of children to adults. I mean, and so there's been times when I, I've, I've heard, you know, music like that, and, and I've kind of looked around, and, and everyone's just going about their day, you know, just like it's another day at the park. I mean, it, it doesn't strike anyone else funny, it seems like. They're just, yeah, this is what we listen to. And, and, and I'm just like, wow. You know, and, and, and our children hear music like this, and it, it, it puts us as parents in a, in a tight spot, although I guess it does give an opportunity uh, for training, and, and we've, we've had to use that a time or two. Certainly we shouldn't isolate ourselves from things like that, but, but there are opportunities, I believe, to teach and train. However, there is some isolation, I believe, <laughs> that is good. I, I don't mean to say that we should just knowingly always expose ourselves to that. No, not at all. But it's hard to believe uh, that families are being raised on music like that. Uh, and it's, it's even harder, I say, to believe that society as a whole refuses to admit that there's any connection between music like that and then the stories we see on the front page of the paper and in the news. They, they, society as a whole refuses to admit that there's a connection there. <laughs> and so they go on listening to their music that talks all about these terrible acts of sin and then people can't understand what, what happened to this guy or why he responded like that. Because they refuse to see a connection there. And yet we as Christians are called to a much higher standard. We have been called out of darkness and into the marvelous light of Jesus Christ. Praise God. That is something that we ought not take for granted, but that we should be eternally grateful for. It should not our music reflect this glorious change, I say. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. I believe there's some helpful things here for us as we consider our music and, and choosing music. As we read down through some verses here, starting at verse 6, uh, I want you to note the contrasting words darkness and light. Uh, they're mentioned various times. Darkness and light. And by the way, that word edify, choosing edify music, that word edify means uh, to teach in a way that improves the mind or character. It's an improvement and then other words, similar words to edify would be to nurture, uh, to inspire, to illuminate. I thought that was interesting. To illuminate. Because it goes right along with, with what the Bible talks about. When it talks about how we have been called out of darkness into light. And then we'll read here about how we are to walk as children of light. Illumination. All right, Ephesians 5, verse 6. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and rise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Okay, four things here that I want to note in these verses as, as we think about our music. First of all, prove 
what is acceptable to the Lord. Verse 10. Prove what is acceptable to the Lord. Or in other words, find out what pleases God. Find out what pleases God. I trust you have a desire to know what pleases God. You know, and the basis for this is not what I like and what I don't like. No. But it's the Word of God. The Word of God is our basis for finding out what pleases God. Secondly, then, in verse 11, have nothing to do which, with that which the Lord has nothing to do with. Okay? Have nothing to do with that which the Lord has nothing to do with. Verse 11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. And so we could ask ourselves the questions, uh, question, does my listening habits give clear evidence that I am walking as a child of light? That I have left the darkness and that I am walking in light? Do my musical choices give clear evidence of that? And then thirdly, I note in verses 15 and 16, we must be a discerning Christian. Be a discerning Christian. And I've probably mentioned this here before, but I'll just say it again. Dear people, much of what is labeled as Christian music does not conform to the image of Jesus Christ. And therefore, it is not Christian music. Don't be deceived in these things. Just because you, you bought a CD or something from, from the CBD catalog or, or at the bookstore at the mall, the Christian bookstore at the mall, that doesn't necessarily mean it's right and fit for the committed disciple of Christ. We must be discerning when it comes to these things. And let's stop thinking that, that we can ride the fence, as it were, with our music as well. In other words, seeing, seeing how far we can go, seeing what we can get by with, or seeing how much is allowed. A wise and discerning person will see how close he can get to the Lord and then stay there. Let us strive for that when it comes to our music and other areas of life as well. And then fourthly, I note here in these verses, let's be interested in the will of God. Verse 17 Understand what the will of God is. Seek to know what the will of God is. You know, our thought pattern should not be centered around, uh, is this okay, or, or what, will, uh, what will she or he think about this, or, you know, can I get by with this? No, not at all. But instead, it should be committed to seeking God's will. Uh, is this something that God would be pleased with? Let's be more interested in finding out what he likes and what his will would be. One thing we know for sure is that God wants, our, our, he wants to fill our minds uh, with truth and beauty. God wants our minds to be full of things that are good and right and wholesome. You see, our mind will dwell on the things that we listen to. What we allow into our hearts, what we allow into our mind, through our ears, has the power, you could say, to increase our faith or to cause it to wane. And the things that we listen to consciously or even unconsciously, the things that we give our time and attention to, they either reinforce our relationship with the Lord or they break it down. We must think seriously about these things. And so we read in Philippians 4 verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Now that stands in sharp contrast to the music you hear in town, to the world's music, in sharp contrast. How do we do this? And I believe that our music can aid us in thinking about what is right and good and godly. 
I believe there's a key found in Colossians 3.16 where we read, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's the foundation upon which good thinking is built. The word of Christ being an active and everyday part of our life. Reading the word of God. Getting that in us. And then based on that foundation, we can expect to have good thinking. And what does the apostle say that will flow out of a life like this? He says, God honoring music. He says, psalms and hymns and and spiritual songs. It's a key indicator, I say, of a spirit-filled life when God-honoring music is flowing from your heart and from your lips. Secondly, then, I note that we will choose music that feeds the spirit, not the flesh. We will choose music that feeds the spirit and not the flesh. Now, the world makes no excuse about it. Their music is meant to feed the flesh. (laughs) It's just that simple. Uh, It is designed to leave a physical and sensual impact. And and the singers and the producers, they readily admit that they don't make music just for for the fun of making music. No. But they create their music to have very specific results. And the purpose is to create fleshly appeal. And, and we could look at many, many uh, examples, and, and I could give you quote after quote after quote of, of musicians and producers saying just that. Why they do what they do. Why they write the music that they do. It's for fleshly appeal. And it's not just the words that do this, but, but maybe even more so the rhythm. It's the rhythm that, that drives and, and powers, you could say, the, the movement of the body. And once again, I'll say that certainly we find this style of music in much of what is uh, labeled as as Christian music today. Uh, You can check it out for yourself. This isn't something that's just revealed to me. No. Check it out for yourself. Watch how how, uh, the, the CCM artists conduct themselves on the stage. Watch, see how they dress. And, And notice the fact that their music often dominates or or overpowers the lyrics. You can see for yourself. And all of these things I say, and and other things as well, would suggest that these people are not filled with the Spirit, but they're feeding the flesh. Let's just look at here at a few verses that give us some some help here as it it refers to uh, our desire to, to feed the Spirit and not the flesh. Galatians 5. Last few verses of Galatians 5. If you're still in Ephesians, you're not far away. Verse 24. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Okay? The Christian is called... To crucify the flesh with the affections and lusts. And to walk in the Spirit. Okay, now let's move back to Romans chapter 13. Romans 13 and verses 12 to 14. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. And we can look at other scriptures too where the Apostle Paul uh, contrasts this thing of, of the old man and the new man. What we need to put off and what we need to put on. And if you look at those, those two sets of offs and ons, you find out very soon that the, the list of the things we need to put off is all a regular part of the world's music. It's just a part of their music. 
and the things that we put on, you don't hear them in the world's music. But that is what God would like us to strive for. What is good and right and wholesome. Are you allowing uh, into your heart and into your mind music that feeds the flesh? Or is your music helping you to put on the Lord Jesus Christ? Does your music aid you in living like the new man? In being a new creation. One more verse here on this subject. Uh, back to Romans 8, verse 13. Romans 8, 13. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify or kill the deeds of the body, ye shall live. And so there's the general theme that's flowing through these verses is we need to say, no to the flesh, and yes to the Spirit. See, the world's order for life and happiness is, first of all, body, and then mind, and then lastly, spirit. Forget about the spirit, but it's, it's my body that drives me, okay? God's order for real happiness in life is, first of all, spirit, and then, secondly, mind, and lastly, body. It's completely opposite from the world's order. It's the spirit that we strive to nurture, you know, living life God's way according to his order uh, will promise us a life, eternal life, and joy and peace. Living according to the, the order of the world assures us of death, of certain death. It does. Well, thirdly then, we will choose music uh, that fixes our eyes on Jesus. We will choose music that fixes our eyes on Jesus. And, and this speaks of focus. It speaks of purpose. In other words, we recognize that music has an impact on us. We recognize that. And we realize it has the power to change us, to make us better, or to make us worse. We realize that. And so with this in mind, then, we will choose music that points us to Jesus. Because that's the direction we want to go, is it not? <laughs> we want to go that way. And so we will choose music that aids us in seeing Jesus, in following his will for our life. There's, there's some here that I could share um, about this, and because of, of time I think I'll leave some of this out, but I'll just briefly say that as we think about purpose and focus, uh, there's a great contrast between the world's music and the music of the Christian. There's a great contrast there. The world's music centers around the supposed glamour of sin and immoral living and selfish living and partying and all that. That's what the world's music centers around. But the focus of the Christian's music is Jesus Christ. It's music that always causes us to look up to look away from, from the filth of the world, and it's a music that always gives us a clear answer to the struggles and problems of life, and that is Jesus Christ. Uh, praise God for that. We are not left in the, in the filth of the world's music, but we are given an answer, and that's Jesus Christ. So which direction does your music take you? The music that you listen to, uh, does that music cause you to give God glory, or does it, does it cause you to give the performer glory? Where is your glory going through the music that you listen to? And then lastly, I believe we will choose music that fortifies our desire to be like Christ. That word fortify means to strengthen, to make stronger. We will choose music that fortifies our desire to be like Christ. What is your greatest desire this morning? What do you want more than anything? And I'm confident that most of you would say, you know, I, I want to be more like Christ. I want to be more like Christ. And that's a powerful perspective to have. Praise the Lord. But you know, it's not hard, it's not hard to tell what's important and what the desire of the world is. I was recently reminded that worship is expressed by imitation. Worship is expressed by imitation. Uh, you can see 
in the world around us, those who, who worship the sports stars, those who like Cam Newton and those guys, those who, who like Michael Waddell and his gang, you can tell by, how they, by how, what they wear. You can tell by how they act. Uh, you can tell by how they talk, if, if they are big into you know, the rock stars, all that. It's not hard to tell where, who these people worship. You know, we give ourselves uh, to what we deem is important. We sacrifice ourselves, you could say, to what we deem is important. And so our priorities in life are then made obvious uh, by the way we dress, uh, by what we say, by how we conduct business. All those things, they speak about what's important to us. And so it's not difficult to tell uh, what drives the world? Who drives the world? I just had to think, though, as I thought through this part of the message, I wonder what is obvious uh, to those who are observing us. <laughs> those who are looking on our lives, do they see some obvious things? And I wonder what it is. I trust that it's good things. Is it obvious that our greatest desire in life is to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? To be more like Christ. To become more like Him. Christ's likeness. Is that our desire? Is that obvious? And does our music aid us in this pursuit? Or does our music uh, water down or hinder this resolve? Does our music give clear evidence that we are passionate about things like purity and holiness? Or does it water down some of these pursuits? And let's remember that uh, the music that we listen to plays a large role in this. It has, the, it has the power to shape what we think and therefore the power to shape who we are from the inside out. Well, I encourage you this morning uh, to choose music that strengthens and empowers you uh, to serve God in a more passionate way, uh, with more fervor. I just leave you then with these three verses from Philippians chapter 1. Uh, in Paul's prayer for the Philippian Christians, he stressed the need to pursue the higher road in all areas of life. Now, it's true that he probably wasn't speaking specifically about music, but it certainly fits in here as we think about our choices that we make. Paul is saying, choose what's best. Philippians 1 verses 9, 10, 11. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in, in all judgment or in discernment. That ye may approve things that are excellent. That ye, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. You know, this morning, as we consider this, and as we look at these verses, I'm reminded that our ability to discern what is best in life is directly connected to our love for God and for His Word. Our ability to discern what is best in life is directly connected to our love for God and for his word. The Apostle Paul says that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and discernment so that ye may approve things that are, okay, that are excellent, that are excellent, what is best. And so I challenge each of us this morning, uh, may God give us wisdom to look at these things in life seriously. Uh, and you, you may think that you know, Josh, <laughs> just cool off a little bit. This is not that big of a deal. But I'm telling you, it's a pretty big deal. It's a pretty big deal. And, and the Bible speaks a good bit about it, and it's something that impacts our lives more than we might think it does. Uh, may we use God's wisdom to make good choices in these areas of life. May the Lord bless you. We'll call for a song.